Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. All right, we are on chapter 12, right, Peyton? Yep. Chapter 12 of the name of this book is Secret. Chapter 12, the story of Bergamo Brothers. Oh, of the Bergamo Brothers. Sorry. All right, ready? Oh, that's so funny. The first sentence is, are you ready? Okay, that's funny. Are you ready? Rested? Alert? You know what? Hold on, you guys. I need... I need to open my LaCroix because my mouth is getting a little dry. It gets a little bit dry when I read, so hold one second. Oh, I'll try not to. If I get burpy, should I burp on the podcast? No. What if it's like a really impressive one? All right, all right, here we go. Are you ready, rested, alert, or did you just skip ahead because you couldn't wait? If so, I'd like to point out that by reading, reading, but that reading by a flashlight under a blanket is always a good way to tackle the most difficult and dangerous part of a book. I'd also suggest that you have a snack handy or some gum to chew. Otherwise, you might find yourself biting your fingernails until they bleed. Okay, have you have have all your supplies? Wait, have all your reading supplies in hand? Here it is. Then the magician's story in his own words. La storia della mia vita. The story of my life by Pietro Bergamo. Never trust a magician. We use words only to divert your attention. Look at my pretty scarf, we say, so you do not see our our slate of hand when the rabbit disappears. But I write now as a man, not a magician, and I promise my story is true. How I wish it were not, for it is the story of tragedy of my childhood and a terrible secret that brought nothing but the misery and death. My brother, Luciano, and I were both born in a small town in Italy in the time between wars. We were twins, what they called English fraternal twins, not the identical twins, a distinction that is very useless, I think. Yes, if you looked at us closely, there were many differences between us, like the birthmark on the back of Luciano's neck that resembled so perfectly a crescent moon. But Luciano and I were identical in heart, in our hearts. When we turned nine years old, our lives, as they say, turned upside down. A terrible man rose to power in Italy and our whole family was in danger. Our parents, they were being watched, but they managed to find a passage for Luciano and me on a boat to America. They promised to join us as soon as they could, but we knew that that would not be very soon or maybe ever. It was an awful thing to leave our home at such a young age, but at least we had each other. During the time we were making the crossing of crossing of the Atlantic Ocean, we never left each other's sides. As a parting gift, our father 
had given us an old book of magic tricks, and we spent all of our days practicing the card tricks and amusing the crew on the boat. Every night, as we went to sleep, we fantasized about our new lives in America and how we would become world-famous magicians. Our mother, she had a cousin in Kansas City. We were very excited to be going to her because we heard the story of the Wizard of Oz and we knew Kansas was full of tornadoes and adventure. We did not know until it was too late, or what we did not know until it was too late was that her part of Kansas City was in Missouri, over 60 miles from the capital of Kansas, Topeka, where we happened to get off of the train. It was the nighttime and we were cold and tired and we'd been wandering through the streets of Topeka for several hours when we saw a marvelous spectacle lit up in front of us, a circus. Alas, having no money, we could not enter the circus tent, the big top as it's called, but we found a flap in the tent through which we could watch the horses gallop and the clowns juggling and even the mangy old tiger jumping through the hoop of fire. What, what most impressed us was the ringmaster, so significant at the top of his hat and tails. We didn't speak much English, but we could tell what he was saying by the tone of his voice and by the screams and the cheers of the crowd. At one point, I could have sworn that he saw us and he winked at us. It was as if he knew us, and although we were inside, we were outside, and we had not paid for the ticket, we were the most important audience members of all. When the show ended, we followed the rest of the circus audience out to, into the midway. This was an old-fashioned traveling circus with all the great sideshows attractions. Sideshow attractions like the fire-eating strongman, a fat lady with a beard, which we later learned was fake, and a fakar, actually a white man dressed up to look like an Indian swami. Being amateur magicians, we wanted to look inside the booths, but the carnival workers, the carnies, they were watching us as if we, they were hawks. We had such great hunger that the smell of the cotton candy and the popcorn and the peanuts was almost too much to suffer. Then we spied a food cart that had been left unattended. A row of red candy apples glistened under a string of lights ripe for the taking. We quickly we, gra we each grabbed an apple and darted into the shadows behind the cages of the animals. What luck! But as soon as we sank our teeth into those apples, they were ripped right out of our hands. Shocked, we looked up to see it grinning down at us as a tough old carny. He was missing most of his teeth, and believe me, that grin was a scary thing to see. Nice of you to feed the animals, he said, tossing the apple into the cage for the tiger. Oh no, he laughed as if we watched the tiger swat our apples like a cat with yarn. She doesn't like apples. Them apples is just to give her the smell, the smell of human, I mean. As he said that, he gripped us by the scruffs of our necks and he made a big show of sniffing us like we were dinner. Then he dragged us towards the door of the tiger cage. We screamed and we struggled, but it was useless. His grip was so strong. By now we were crying and pleading for our lives in Italian. We thought that we thought truly that we had reached the end. Goodbye, I said to Luciano. Not, no, not goodbye. Just horrific. I don't know what that word is. There. Sorry. Looking up towards the sky, we'll be together always. Yes, together always. I said, trying to be brave as he was, touching my fingers to the crescent moon of his birthmark as I closed my eyes. Let them go, Sammy. 
It was the ringmaster walking towards us. Don't worry, boys. That old tiger won't. Don't got any more teeth than Sammy does. She couldn't hurt a fly. Eyes twinkling. He said we should know better than to run away like that with stolen goods. When you steal something, you should walk away slowly, he instructed. Otherwise, you attract attention. As a punishment for our poor attempt of thievery, the ringmaster ordered us to help Sammy clean the cages of animals. Very relieved to be alive, we worked so hard that even Sammy was happy with us. The next morning, exhausted but also exhilarated, we were sitting outside of the ringmaster's trailer with his three-year-old daughter while inside his wife prepared the breakfast. To pass the time... We took out our deck of cards and practiced the tricks, which the ringmaster's daughter seemed f to find extremely amusing. We did not know it, but the ringmaster, he was watching us from the trailer. When we finished, he applauded. Lucy knows a good trick when she sees it, he said, pointing to his daughter. We try out all the acts on her. After Luciano and I had ate the bacon and flapjacks, why is it that the food always tastes so much better in the outside? The ringmaster instructed us to help his crew pack up the tents. He never asked from where we came or to where we were going. He just assumed that we would be traveling with the circus, and so we did. If you're one of the lucky, or is it the unlucky people that are meant for the life of the circus, it is as natural as the migrating as the migrating is for the geese or as the hibernating is for the bear after reading that last sentence Cass closed the magician's notebook she had to stop reading not because the story had ended but because the bell rang <sighs> actually it had started ringing around the time pietro and his brother were being fed to the tiger but and if Cass and Max Ernest didn't move very quickly, they were going to be late for their next classes. Max Ernest, in an unusually rebellious mood, suggested that they skipped their class altogether and continue reading. But Cass pointed out that they might attract unwanted attention that way. After all, neither of them was in the habit of ditching class, so they reluctantly agreed to postpone reading until lunch. Uh, until reading until lunch, when they would re-meet behind the gym. Are you asleep, Pay? All right. Chapter 13 is the story of the Bagamo Brothers, part two. Oh, that's so cool. Is the next one part three? Oh, I just want to see. Ah, no, it's not part three, but it looks creepy. Okay, bye.